following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. <laughs> it's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Wow, okay. Uh, Mississippi State has already hired a new head coach. Elevating from the staff? Yeah, their defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett. I think that's kind of disrespectfully fast. Well, it's only for the bowl game, though, isn't it? It's not an official... It's, it's interim head coach, which is a situation where, honestly, that's just to try and well calm the waters. No, this is not interim status anymore. This is head coach, as in signed a contract, head coach for four years. Oh. Zach Arnett, this is according to Pete uh, Thamel, and says Mississippi State has agreed on a four-year deal with defensive coordinator Zach Arnett to become the head coach. He was interim for the past week. I say disrespectful because the guy died two days ago. They haven't even had the funeral yet. We, we can't wait till after the bowl game to make this announcement. If I'm the family of Mike Leach, I'm like, really? Two days? His stuff is still in the office? We're still grieving heavily over here? And you want to go ahead and just replace him like it's nothing? Like, I, I understand Mississippi State has a, like, you know, the athletic director has a job to do. Well, but to the appoint a new head coach. athletic director is an interim, too. Oh, really? Their current athletic director is an interim because their athletic director went to Auburn. Why he'd want to go into that dumpster fire, I don't know. And I mean, it was just what announced yesterday that, hey, Mississippi State's going to still play in the bowl game. Mike Leach would want him to play in the bowl game. I, I, the only thing that I can see as to why that would play out the way it did is because they're concerned about sign- making sure that everything is copacetic for signing day next week. Yeah, maybe. Calm the waters. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I I get your point. I absolutely. I'm just looking at it from their angle. The only thing I can see that that makes sense to give that contract now would be signing day. Yeah, it's a week from today. Yeah, that's the only thing I can see. Especially since the. Athletic director is an interim, and so you don't even have a full-time AD in place to be able to pick his own guy. Well, I mean, yes, it is a it's a unique situation, oh. and I know signing the early signing period on December twenty first this year. Um, yes, it is a very unique situation, and I I understand that, and yes, things that need to be taken care of. But I mean, you're still paying tribute to the guy. A beloved head coach across the country, well respected, mm-hmm. an innovator. I mean, we hell of a sound by guy as well. I just thought it was kind of disrespectful to do it that fast. No, yeah, I get you got it. signing day coming up. I, I, th- I mean, is there a is there a worry that well, Mike Leach is gone now? Guys are going to start decommitting a week before. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of thoughts there. I, it's not hard to run a fax machine or anything. It, you guys can figure it out. 
I'm sure Mike Leach had somebody doing it anyway. He didn't mess with social media. He barely knew how to send an email. Right. His staff is still there to take care of signing day. You can get in. It could be any of the coordinators. It will be the defensive coordinator, of course, but anybody can get up there and just say some comments about certain players when they get to the press conference on Wednesday or Thursday. I don't disagree. You know, I Yeah, I just the, – the only thing I can see is that it's it's a signing day reason. It just – to me, that's that would be the only thing that makes any sense to it. Well, it's Wednesday. You know what that means. It's another edition of the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berklin is with us today. No David G. today. It's also AEW Dynamite, and it is the annual show, Winter is Coming, the World Championship on the line, MJF versus Ricky Starks. It's going to be from Dallas, Texas, the same area, of course, that Kansas State won the Big 12 Championship. Will Ricky Starks pull off the upset and beat MJF for the world title? We'll have to find out tonight, guys, 7 o'clock on TBS. It's winner take all. Also, how about this little nugget by AEW today? Uh, AEW president Tony Khan had announced on social media that he has secured the rights to Round Ball Rock. That's the iconic theme song for NBC and NBA broadcasts. That's being used now by Fox on their Big East broadcasts. You know, maybe they allow, whoever owns a song allows multiple entities to use it, but all I I saw today, I was like, AEW is using Round Ball Rock to promo Winter is Coming. I was like... I, I love AEW, don't get me wrong. I love Round Ball Rock. I just, I didn't think like it clashed that way. Or, you know, it just kind of butted heads to me. Didn't feel right to have it over or underneath a, a wrestling promo. Right. I can I can see that. Yeah. But it also means Wednesday we are joined by Derek Young from K-State Online. What do you think, D.Y., about uh, Mississippi State already announcing a new head coach two days after Mike Leach passes away? Yeah, I mean, I understand your sentiments, of course, because it is a, you know, kind of a delicate nature, and I get that, and I'm sure that they probably discussed this with the family prior to the announcement, but on the flip side, and I know Troy got into it, and he is absolutely correct, and it's probably even more drastic than you guys probably let on. Look, I doubt that they would have five players in that class. I don't know how many players they have in class total. But I bet they couldn't come up with five that would sign this upcoming week if they didn't know who the head coach was. I mean, I know I wouldn't. And I, mm. that's general business and in, in college football recruiting. You're not going to sign anywhere if that school hasn't figured out who's going to be the head coach yet. You're I extending mean, it out to the late period instead of going early. Right. But if those guys have any options whatsoever, especially being in the SEC country, their good is gone. And you basically have an entire class shredded. So you, you do. I know it's delicate and you kind of think that way, but it's you still got to move forward business as usual if you feel like you already know who you want to hire, because if not, you're in trouble. And and this is another, I guess, unintended consequence of this era of college athletics. Mm-hmm. They don't name head coach soon. Half that roster is probably in the transfer portal. Uh, so, all right, yeah, so your guys' thought. Just, Go ahead. I I I understand a sentiment, but they yeah. really just have no other choice but to go forward as soon as possible. Well, it's, I, it's cynical as hell. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was like, damn, guy. I, when you heard me come on air, that was my instant reaction as soon as I saw that news. That was right as we came on air. So yes, your guys' well thought out uh, explanation to what took place is yes better than my instant reaction. I will admit that, but I don't know. It just I least, seemed a little I cruel. 
I would at least hope and I assume that they did have a conversation with the family and kind of let yeah. them know like why they have to go about it this way. But you can't recruit and you can't keep your own kids if you don't know who the coach is going to be. All right. Fair enough. Appreciate that, D.Y. and Troy. Good job, guys. All right. <laughs> uh, World Cup finals is set, D.Y. We got France against Argentina. Who is uh, who is your early favorite? Uh, I actually had money before the tournament started and put it on France. So mm. I'll be riding the French bandwagon for sure. And this is a really fun final. You don't always get the the two ideal teams um, in the World Cup final. It's a long term. It's just like the NCAA tournament, right? Sometimes there's a Cinderella breaks through. The two best teams don't break through. I know uh, Brazil is probably in that department as well. It was probably, you know, easily, I would say, the three kind of it teams were probably France, Brazil, and Argentina, and maybe England just because of their star power. But um, So it's fun just to have France and Argentina against each other. Uh, Lionel Messi has his chance to get a World Cup and his first international trophy, and he has to beat the best team, uh, the best, you know, international team in the world to do it it's pretty good setting a pretty pretty fun stage but i'm riding with france not not only that but it's messy and mbappe that yeah. I, I i like the star power with that yeah yeah i mean aside from those two i know there's a lot of good players in the world cristiano ronaldo's he's still okay on the, tip of every, <laughs> on the tip of everyone's tongue as well i mean when it comes to a country with the most star power you know you, you think about france um mm-hmm. You think about Brazil, but you probably do think about England too. So that would have been a fun team to uh, have make it. But France and Argentina should be a great final. You're also talking about some of the highest paid athletes in the entire world that you just mentioned. A number of those guys are in the top ten in the world in uh, in making money. Um, France, France, trying to go back to back too. They've won. I think they've won two World Cups in this century, and I think there's only been one. I think Brazil is the only. Gosh. I think they're the only ones that's not from Europe that has won a World Cup this this century. And I think Probably. It, yeah, Argentina France, would be the second. France France won in 18 though, so this would be two mm-hmm. in a row for them. Well, you know, DY, uh, maybe you don't, but Troy does. I am actually uh I I have relatives that are French royalty. So uh I I I think by law I have to root for France. In this World Cup final, if I don't, I could lose my status. Like if two hundred people die, I might get a chance at the throne. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick France as well. I was also I was thinking about this earlier today. So watching Morocco and France play, I, I thought the referee was pretty soft with a lot of his calls. But I mean, that has got to be the World Cup has got to be the most pressured job in the world when it comes to sports for being a referee. Is it not? Yeah, just considering the eyeballs and it's a global event it's probably number one and just because it's not as global i would have the super bowl number Mm. two um but that's obviously up there i think those are the two two most watched singular events i know the olympics are obviously in that discussion but when you're talking about singular events it'd be the world cup and the super bowl i think when it comes to the olympics like most people wouldn't know how to judge those those events anyway, if it does come down to judging. So I think they can get away with that. Uh, unless there's you know, the, the television broadcasters, whoever's calling it, uh, could be like, well, that was a bad score, and then we may just go off their words. But I, I would also throw out there, like, I think it would be tough to you know call balls and strikes in the World Series. Like if it's a Game 7, game's coming down to the wire, and you got to be very careful. But 
soccer has one referee. They got the two ARs, of course, and then there's a referee, a fourth referee between the, the benches, but there's one guy out there making most of the calls. So, yeah, that I mean, pressure is on. you got to be one of the best to get that kind of job. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to basketball. How about we start with that? Uh, I want to get your thoughts on you know just kind of the first third of this season. Tang's first ten games are wrapped up, nine and one. I just thought the win over Incarnate Word, knowing yes they did have a couple of guys injured and wasn't able to play, that may have you know made it think, maybe a little bit more interesting. I guess Th- to me that was a game they really needed, especially from an offensive standpoint with better three point shooting, Desi Seals getting the lid off the basket, just overall better scoring. Uh, but uh, your, your thoughts on that win and just where K-State is at right now through 10 games. Yeah, it was nice to have a kind of a complete game start to finish where there's not really any lulls on offense. You don't fall asleep whatsoever for an, a prolonged period of time. So I just thought energy-wise, life, you know, having some life to the basketball for nearly the entire game, good chemistry, a lot of energy. I thought that from start to finish, they had it. And and that was probably something that we hadn't seen since maybe the Cayman Islands or perhaps even before that. They were a little bit in a rut just from an energy perspective and going from start to finish. So I think that was probably my largest takeaway and the biggest positive that I had. Aside from that, it's just really hard for me to really glean anything from playing an opponent that was clearly as outmatched as Incarnate Word was. Um, it'll. I'm really looking forward to the Nebraska game on Saturday just because I think we'll find out and learn a lot more about where Kansas State is from a, you know, just performance standpoint from what they do in that particular contest because I think they need to be challenged again, and I want to see them how they play when they're challenged again because they were in the Cayman Islands and they answered the bell um, when we were talking about wins over Nevada and I believe LSU. Uh, they have a, you know, I guess a, a decent win over Wichita State when, even when they didn't play very well in that particular game. Um, but obviously, the last time they were really challenged was Butler, and uh, they had a hard time staying within single digits. So it'll be nice just to have a good, good game to be able to gauge them a little bit more. Before we take a break, and I agree with you, I like the challenge that Nebraska does give K State, especially with uh, Derek Walker, their six nine forward. I think that's a, a good challenge for like you know uh, like David Gasson, uh, who did yeah. struggle a little bit against the big from uh, from Butler, but has been on a really good run the last four games. I've really been impressed with David Gasson. Um, I'll ask you the same question before we go to the break that I asked Mason, and I just mm-hmm. I I'd just be interested to hear your answer of just. My answer would be David Gasson, but through the first 10 games, who has, in a way, exceeded your expectations and it just has impressed you the most? Exceeded expectations, I think it's fair to say that is David Gasson, um, especially on the offensive end. He probably still has a ways to go on defensively just because that's where he's going to be challenged the most, especially when he plays with some of the more physical fives that are in the Big 12. But from an offensive standpoint, he can really provide quite a bit of mismatches against a lot of teams that are on the schedule coming up, right? Because you know, there's not a whole lot of fives that are built like David Gasson. He's going to run the floor better probably than any five in the Big 12. I mean, there might be one or two, maybe three, I don't know, that can run with him on uh, up and down the floor um, the whole game, but there won't be many because he's a little bit rare in that. And just the way that, you know, he could really attack the basket off the bounce. He can really, you know, he's not going to be a, like a primary ball handler from a big, like we can expect Naquan Tomlin to be, 
which because he has guard skills. I wouldn't say David Gasson has guard skills, but he could put the ball on the deck just enough to really attack the basket off the bounce, even when he's you know behind the three point line. And that's going to be tough to manage for other teams that, um, when they played their bigs on David Gasson because they're not going to have another you know really choice of how to defend him. So the adjustment will probably be to sag off Gasson, give him a little bit of space, and not honor his shot as much but i'm pretty sure he's knocked out his last three three pointers too so he's a he's just a gonna be tough to guard for a lot of teams because of him playing the five position for kansas state so uh i immediately go to him uh in terms of exceeding expectations but i'll be honest like marquis noel's kind of exceeded my expectations i expected him to be a high assist guy but i mean he's going to shatter the single season record at K-State most likely. And I don't think I would have expected that going into the season. And Keontae Johnson, he's the team's best player. I think we expected maybe for him to hit that mark at some point this season, but he was that way from the get-go. And I guess I just anticipated more rust from him and maybe it being a little bit more of a build, but you know, he, he returned to his self. uh, That was the all SEC preseason player of the year of Florida. Um, right away and that was surprising i personally was so glad to see the uh rebirth day tweet that he sent out the other day i thought that that was outstanding by the way yeah, it was a nice touch by kansas yeah. state as well absolutely we're Derek Young from K-State Online. You know, this is the last chance we get to talk to DY before the early signing period begins a week from today so we'll talk K-State football recruiting could there be some new additions to the class of 2023 in the next week? Could K-State maybe flip some guys? We'll ask D.Y. about that next. It's the game on KMAN. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berkland is with us wearing his Mike Jack hoodie once again. 537-1350 is our number. Hopefully we'll be able to take some calls in the second hour. Coming up here in just a few moments, about 15-ish minutes away or so, we're going to speak with the uh, voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Chiefs going 1-1 one one the past couple of games. Now tied for first in the conference, the AFC with the Buffalo Bills, but the Bills have the tiebreaker right now. We're back with Derek Young from K-State Online as we now jump to football. Real quick about potential opt-outs for Alabama. Uh, you know, I guess what's the reaction that nobody from Alabama has opted out yet? Does that surprise you at all? You know, in a way, I guess I just don't know what the timing is like on these decisions. And I, all I know that is in the past, Alabama would announce them all at once. So the fact that um, we've had zero to this point makes me think that we just haven't had the announcement yet. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I kind of lean towards. Uh, I don't know when practices start, uh, probably pretty soon, right? The game is, you know, in what we're we looking at, 17 days. Um, and you get 14, 15, something like that, I think, practices. So I would imagine the practices would either begin tomorrow or Friday. So um, there'll be reports leaking out soon if there are opt-outs, but um, I would say we're running out of time if they are going to come. Yeah, the uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the segment, but the uh, Sugar Bowl opt-out stakeout squad car is still out there at Tuscaloosa. Hasn't really seen anything to report on in the last really week or so. They've had one more player jump into the portal, but it's you know nothing really significant. Hadn't played all year. There's really only two or th- I think they have now 13 in the portal from this past season, this past regular season, and two or three have been significant players in any capacity. So 
It's it's a still a pretty strong Alabama team that awaits K State as of right now for the Sugar Bowl on the thirty first of December, the last day of twenty twenty two. All right, so an addition for the Cats for the class of twenty twenty three, a transfer from Iowa, Keegan Johnson, six one sophomore, didn't really play this year. He'd been banged up with an injury, uh, but the previous year. Uh, wasn't too bad. Twenty catches for three sixty three and two touchdowns. Nothing like whoa. This kid is uh, boy. Did he have amazing season or what? It's just you know he's got upside. I would say, but immediate impact guy. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. He's probably going to play the role that was held by Malik Knowles for the last two or three years, three years, maybe four at this point. Seems like Malik Knowles has been around for forever. I would maybe quibble a little bit. Um, a guy, and I, I, I know on the surface, twenty catches. For was it, did you say 366 yards? Doesn't sound like a lot, but if you were playing as a true freshman at Iowa um, in any capacity, you're doing something right. I think that's a strong endorsement. Mm-hmm. And if you're catching 20 balls in a season for that Iowa offense um, <laughs> in any season, considering you know the circumstances of how they play football there in Iowa City, I think that's saying something. So, I, you know, that true freshman season is pretty impressive if you take in all those different, um, you know qualifiers in my opinion and yeah i mean he'll probably i mean there there's a chance maybe a strong one that he's the best receiver they have on the roster next season he's he's really really good they came in second form out of high school and really wanted him then and were just edged out by iowa um and, and you look at the offer list there there's certainly a lot of other teams that that are good ones that believe that he could be a heck of a football player. I mean, he got offers from the likes of Auburn, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Houston, Purdue, uh, Michigan. I mean, he he was one. He was a wanted man. Nebraska wanted him too, and he's a Nebraska kid. I think he's from the Omaha area, and he's uh, he's decided father, to go to K State. His father played for Nebraska in the 1990s. Well, there you go. Cats win another one from the uh, ne- the state of Nebraska. Just another uh, pipeline kid, I would assume. All right, so. Um, now the class, uh, more on the class of 2023, a couple of guys that have, have still been on the radar that haven't made a decision yet. Uh, I'll bring them both up at the same time here. Four-star linebacker, Asa Newsom. Uh, we've talked about him before, but it's been a while since we've actually spoken about him. 6'4", four-star linebacker from Iowa, and he's he, he's got K-State on a slim-down list. Trey Spivey is another one, a, a three-star wide receiver. He's from Arizona, and it sounds like he has the Cats down on his uh, finalist list with a couple of schools. Um, get your idea of, you, you, you know, you got your, uh, you certainly got your eye on this story here, and I was reading a little bit about it on K-State Online, but your thoughts on those two guys' chances of becoming Wildcats? Yeah, I, I really like where they're positioned for Trace Bivey. That's, I, I could see them winning the, that particular recruitment outlasting Oklahoma State and Arizona. I think a recent in-home visit from Chris Kleiman probably sealed the deal and, and – and we'll hear more about it. I think he, he makes his announcement, so to speak, on uh, signing day, actually. I think he's going to take it all the way to the end and um, uh, let time expire and, and make his decision at the buzzer um, uh, December 21st. So Trace Bivey, I think I really like where Kansas State's position. Um, with Asa Newsome, that's been a marathon of a recruitment. Um, if you would have asked me over the summer, would I anticipate him still being an uncommitted prospect in December? I would have said absolutely no way. Um, he was a guy that was certainly approaching and, and maneuvering through his recruitment as if he wanted to make an earlier decision before his high school senior season even began. He took four official visits in the month of June to Iowa, Minnesota, Stanford, and Kansas State. 
um, still has remained thorough, very thorough, um, and, and very mature. He hasn't done anything wrong or had a lot of drama associated with this recruitment. He's just been very thorough and has been a- unable to come to a final decision and instead you know, made additional visits. I think he visited Iowa again during the season. He visited K-State again during the season. Um, Stanford didn't get another look. They're going through a coaching change. I I, I guarantee I can almost guarantee that they're not a factor at this point. Um, he visited Minnesota again. I think twice actually. Um, and he almost took a fifth and final official visit this past weekend to Kentucky, but it doesn't sound like um, it sounds like the plans for that ultimately fell through and it didn't happen. I would anticipate this being Kansas State or Minnesota, and what he decides is anyone's guess at this point. Um, he's handled it the right way. I just, uh, I really have no pulse on what he will do outside of I would be shocked now if it's not Kansas State or Minnesota. Speaking with Derek Young from KCN Online. Now, before the break, I also teased, you know, are there any potential flips out there that K State could make? Now, I know Will Lee has been on KCN Online's radar for, it feels like a couple of months now, uh, because of his decommitment from Oregon State. And he, he had, he's made. A visit to to Manhattan recently, I believe. That's Will Lee, who's a corner from Iowa Western Community College, who is actually playing in a national championship tonight. Yeah, he's actually he plays for Iowa Western. Uh, Scott Strohmeyer, heck of a heck of a coach for that program. I think Will Lee actually he actually committed last month, I believe. So oh, okay, not not I believe I know he did. So Will Lee's actually in the Kansas State recruiting class now. He's still getting offers. They beat out Florida State for him. They beat out Iowa for him. He was offered by Arkansas three days ago. So they're there's still teams gunning for him, but uh, he's made it pretty clear that he's going to stick with the Wildcats. Kansas State also will have coaches at the national championship game tonight for junior college between Hutchinson Community College, Iowa Western. Obviously, they're going to be there to see Will Lee, and they will also be there to see two defensive players for Hutchinson that they really like. They've already offered linebacker Terry Kirksey, um, who visits, who will be visiting Manhattan here pretty shortly, and Nico Taylor, who's a, I forget which school. I'm so sorry for any of people that are from that high school that are listening. I forget which school in Olathe he's from, but Nico Taylor, um, he's from Olathe, Kansas, and he is a Kansas offer. I think that's another possibility for him. Can't say hasn't offered, but I, I think they're certainly looking at him. So, uh, yeah, Van Malone will be at that national title game tonight. Steve Standard will be at the national title game tonight, and head coach Chris Kleiman will be at the national title game tonight. It's in Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, I must have missed that official announcement from Will Lee. I, I never uh, never caught that, so that's my bad. Is there any other potential flips that we should uh, know about? Yeah, they're looking at a Denver high school kid who uh, it's not necessarily a flip anymore. I guess it will still be a flip. He already he decommitted from Colorado last night, actually, and that was uh, tied in Andrew Metzger. Um, he visited Nebraska last weekend. I, I don't think that the the – a potential marriage with Deion Sanders was ever going to work out. And that family ultimately came to that conclusion in a good amount of time. So they'll be, they'll be deciding between Kansas state and Nebraska. He's visiting K state this weekend. Well, DY, that's all I got for you. And uh, I, I guess uh, we'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks, of course, but I'll most likely be in new Orleans. I just need your help in, in talking Cole Manbeck and also going to new Orleans for the bowl game. Cause I really want to do power cat game day from bourbon street well well i i think we could probably make that happen no matter what even if he doesn't come we'll just have to get another third partner but uh, you're not the only one trying to get cold to new orleans so is, 
So is John Kurtz, obviously. You know that. Kurtz has uh, got them a place to stay and everything. It's just got to convince Cole to, to take the trip. All right, D.Y., I really appreciate your time. And uh, I suppose I'll see you in uh, Kansas City for the game Saturday against Nebraska. Maybe not. I don't think I'm going to make oh, it all the way. crap. All right. What's the deal? Uh, I, well, Grant lives in Kansas City, so I feel like he can handle it. Oh, he's uh, <laughs> just let another guy from Case and Online handle the. Uh, well, he doesn't really come to games anymore, does he? Well, he, he didn't come to. He came to one football game, but he's been to most of the basketball games. Okay. So he'll, he'll always come to most of the basketball games. All right. Well, I guess I'll just say hey to Grant on Saturday. All right, DY, I'll let you go. Appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Always. Derek Young from K-State Online, also a co-host on Power Can Game Day. That'll be at 7 a.m. But you know, listen, for a 7 a.m. Power Can Game Day, I don't think you could find a better spot to do the show than from Bourbon Street, USA. The one thought would be the stadium. I know the Alumni Association has an event going on that morning at 8. At the stadium? At the stadium. I know they have like a... Uh... It's like on the south end of the Superdome. It's like a, you know, like an AT&T stadium. They have like a tailgate okay. party area. Yeah. I think it's kind of the same thing. But I don't know you know, if the Alumni Association is linked up to that. But, uh, I mean, there's plenty of uh, balconies. You could We could link, well, you know, yeah, have a couple that. of microphones and just chit-chat about the cats and, and, and Bama. No, essentially, like we were discussing earlier, where the uh, media soiree is on uh, Friday night. On Bourbon Street. On Bourbon Street. I'm a fan. Cannot wait. We leave in what? Are we leaving? We're leaving two weeks from today. Okay. Countdown is on. All right. When we come back, voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, after the break. We continue with our one of the game. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, Travion Berkland, big Michael Jackson fan. But you know that music. It's now time to talk Kansas City Chiefs football with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Chiefs are 10-3. and They lost to the Bengals a couple of weeks ago, but bounced back with a win against the Denver Broncos on the road, 34-28. Mitch, Jarrett McKinnon, that first touchdown he had had to be the highlight of the game. Are you to the point now where you can see these Mahomes improvised tosses after he stiff arms a guy he's kind of see him coming from a mile away uh well first of all 14 straight of the broncos just to give you one more point of clarification so 14 straight does that ring a bell anywhere uh hmm. like something else yeah. maybe gosh they always say the chiefs and k-state sometimes live in a parallel universe uh oh yeah 14 straight um <laughs> the um and 25 out of 30 if you keep in track on that uh, deal. But, no, I'm not surprised anymore by anything. Uh, Mahomes is, like, running great toward me. And I think it was Draymond Jones. I'm not sure. He's coming in to, like, obliterate him. And at the last second, he throws this, you know, sidearm, underhand. I've been to, I mentioned the College World Series and softball, Oklahoma City. Uh, does it no look. And, and just, I swear for Mahomes, he has 25 hours in his day. 61 minutes in his hour and 61 seconds in his minute. I mean, he's he's in some other place that he gets just one more frame of time um, over us humans, I think. Uh, It's just incredible what that guy does. 
I th- that might be my new favorite Mahomes highlight because before the time he literally like as he's tossing the football he is stiff arming with his free hand a Denver Bronco to the ground. Uh, to, yeah. to do that all simultaneously is just just boggles my mind. Well, he's a ninja. There's only three humans I think that have eyes in the back of their head, and he's one of them. The other's Andy Reid because Andy Reid can see things 400 meters away where he's looking away from. And the same with Bill Snyder. Like he would, Bill would go, "Why were you leaning against that fence? Like, God, how did he even know that? He wasn't. He was looking. You know, it was a good now haul, and he saw it. Like, and he was at the practice facility. I mean, that's the way." Uh, I guess extraordinary people are, but uh, uh, truthfully, Mahomes just has this feel. I mean, he can see the whole field. He can see 360 degrees, which sounds ridiculous, but no, he can't because he stiff arms dudes behind him. Or, you know, there's times you'll look behind him and see if anybody's back there. But to flip it flawlessly, he knew then he could lead McKinnon. Now, the other part of this equation, boys, let's don't take this for granted, is the way McKinnon, and I interviewed him after the game on our that we do on Facebook Live. But I've seen him do this time and time again, especially this year, where you have the play call, right? Okay, you're going to run 493, Zebra, K-Man, uh, Purple Pride. All right, got it. That means my protection and my route, my chip uh, and release, and i got a route. Well, in a fraction of a second, whoop, Mahomes is out of the pocket. And I better, like, scramble with him and get to the spot so he can throw me, like, an underhanded, scoop pass so I can go 56 yards for t- oh no he's going to run so I better make a great block and not block in the back and try to free him up for a touchdown with McKinnon has done twice this year he has made the key block to get a Mahomes scramble uh, and turn it into a touchdown so don't overlook playing with Mahomes and what McKinnon has to do in a fraction of a second to go from oh receiver to blocker Fun fact, that K-Man Purple Pride play was the one that uh, K-State won the Cincinnati game on the last play of the game. That was the play, yes, believe it was. or not. That was. That was. And Kevin Lockett, you know, he's gonna, it's going to be real big for him next week. Because uh, here comes Tyler. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But oh, yeah. he's going to be, yeah, he won't sleep all week. He'll be breathing in a paper bag on Kevin. Should we not take for granted the uh, the last play, pretty much the, the defensive stop, I should say, even though Russell Wilson got hurt, and it was already such an emotional game with Denver making that comeback just about. But Chris Jones getting pressure, and then yeah. LeJarrius Sneed just catching a lame duck in the air. I mean, considering what was all on the line at that time, I mean, that, that that's a gigantic play. Chris Jones is having the most underrated season of any defender in the NFL. Uh, now, that sounds like, okay, that's hyperbole, that's provincial. Sure, you would say that. But who's having a better year than he is? When you look at his pressure rate, when you look at the way he affects a game, uh, I know the rest of the league outside of the media is noticing, at least the coaches and players are noticing it, but he's doing that with more frequency than we know. But to do it there where the game was on the line, because uh, like that third pick from Mahomes, we can talk about how great Patrick is, but he's admitted, like he, okay, first pick is the one that just, takes everything off the rails. Otherwise, the Chiefs are going to win by like 40-3, to three. okay? And then because that first pick set up the second pick, and then uh, and Jewel made a great play on the first one, an adjustment. He just got burned on that same route by Kelsey, 38 yards, like 20 plays prior to that. Uh, and then Sertan just made a great play. But the third one was, no, 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 Pat. Um, and a touchdown beat you. And truthfully, Rippon coming in gave them a better chance for the deep ball. So, uh with 
Chris to make that play and then Pacheco to seal the deal with his run was, was awesome. But if Chris doesn't make that play, who knows? Women, we might be talking about a upset of you know disastrous proportions. Travis Kelsey, another milestone for the guy, but this one's a, a, a you know huge, gigantic milestone. Ten thousand career receiving yards. He's the fastest to do in one hundred and forty games. That's special. But doesn't Let me it tell you what else is special? There's another. Keep going. Well, I was going to say, I think what else makes it special, right, is just how many few guys have made it to ten thousand yards uh, when it comes to tight ends. And you're right. He did it in thirty-seven games faster than anybody else. That's like two and a half seasons faster. And that's Gonzalez, who would be next on the oh fastest to ten thousand list. But let me give you another one that is just part of my case when I argue in front of the Supreme Court that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end to ever play this game. And that's a little bit sensitive uh, because, you know, if I talk about Will Howard being an NFL player, then what's Skyler Thompson or, or Colin Klein thinking? Well, that's kind of ouchy. Mitch thinks he's better than I was, right? So when I say that about Kels, here come, and I called every one of T. Guns's plays when he's with the Chiefs, but here comes Billy Baver and Jason Dunn and T. Guns's buddies, like, texting me like, dude, dude, slow down, slow down. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. I'm going to the Supreme Court here. But here's the stat. Here's the one that he got last week that is a big part of my case in front of the Supreme Court. And that is Travis Kelsey has more yards after catch than any tight end in National Football League history. And he's done it within nine seasons. Now, yards after catch is a running back tight end stat. It's not a wide receiver stat. A wide receiver catches the ball at 30 and then he goes down and says, you're getting a 32, but it's only two yards after the catch. A running back catches a think of Deuce, right? Deuce has got a billion yards after catch. Well, before Senate's done, look how many he's going to have. Because Kelsey will catch it at short yardage and then break tackles and go big time. So that's a tight end stat. So when I hear Shannon Sharp, I'm like, no, here's a yards after catch, and he wipes out Shannon Sharp. That's who he took out in this. And he, oh, he did it like six years quicker than Shannon Sharp. So where else are we going, guys? So for him to get yards after catch this soon and be the best at it, Trump's Gronk, Trump's gone, T-Gons, Trump's all those dudes, Greg Olson, that's talked about in the discussion where who, who's better than Travis Kelsey all time. So Kansas City going to wrap up the division. I saw in the uh, Kansas City start like there's six scenarios that Kansas City could wrap it up, but I mean a win at the Texans doesn't seem too difficult at this time of the year. Okay, just thinking you're at the track over by the, you know, the old, I mean, the old track. I know everything's changing there, but let's just over by the baseball field, right at the track. All right, and you're running two races. You're going to run the 10,000 meter run, and you're going to run the 3,200 meter steeplechase. That's what the Chiefs are running here, because the 3,200 meter steeplechase, you're going to jump up over that big, you know, hurdle thing, and then don't jump in the water because that's not good, or get in there with like. 15 other people, that's never good. But that's the division race. So you can take all the scenarios, but because you're running the second race, which is the 10,000-meter run to win that single bye, uh, you just need to win this game. Check the box, beat Houston, win the division for seventh straight time, which would be second in NFL history in division dominance. Let that one soak in at Kites for a minute <laughs> because that's big time, boys. Only the Patriots from 09 to 19 that won 11 of them uh, eclipses what the Chiefs have done in the AFC West. And that's, that's one of those you, sh- you know, shaking my head. 
But to do it, you've got to run. You're running two races at once. So don't go. Well, we'll lose this and let the charge. Hey, we won the division. No, you got to get that one seed. That'll be huge. Plus, uh, and I'm jumping ahead of myself. Shouldn't do it. Andy Reid would, you know, hit my knuckles with a ruler. Uh, I'll be like Mrs. Brown back in Smith Center, third grade, bringing out the Board of Education. Uh, <laughs> not getting a bunch of dudes and gals in a meeting on Monday night. It was Mrs. Mason's Board of Education. You didn't want to see that bad boy. Anyway, the point is here, uh, get that one seat, because think of what the 2-3 game might look like if the uh, seeds hold and the chalk holds. And you don't want to be in the 2-3 game, because you have to win a tough wild card game a 2-3 game that I feel like an AFC championship game, and then the AFC championship game. So this year's bye is really coveted for all these teams. All right, Mitch, I've been saving this for last. Um, finally get to ask you about the Cats winning the Big 12 championship. Uh, I'd love to know right. your reaction to uh, Ty Zinter's 31-yard field goal, like your exact reaction, and who is around you, where you're at when you're watching the game. You know what was cool about that? So we're on the way. That's Cincinnati week. So we get, and almost everybody in our party was watching this game. And there's not a ton of K-Staters that are on our 180-some-plus party. But everybody, because look at the audience in that game. It was massive, right? Yes. It's like 10 million people. I mean, Ohio State's watching it. But everybody was captivated by it for some reason. More than any K-State event that I've kind of been a part of, of watching or of with cheese people. Everybody's watching on their tablets or phones. or like, wow. They're into it, but we have to get on the plane. Whoops, can't, you know, so now we're flying, now we land, whoops, now we're into overtime. So we're on the bus going from the uh, plane to the Cincinnati uh, Hotel, and on that, that's where it happened. And everybody's watching this game. It was crazy. And so, for whatever reason, because of the time slot, stand alone, because of the impact of the game, whatever, I'm just looking down the road on the bus, and it's everybody's watching. And, of course, they're, you know, giving, you know, me a little bit of razz. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. I go, yeah, that's cool. And let me tell you something else. There's a gal named Corbin here. She's one of our seasonals. And she is from Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Hmm. She is a close family friend of Will Howard's family. Hmm. She was on the same swim team with Will Howard. So she's sitting in the seat in front of me. Even though she went to Villanova, she's cheering like it's Willie the Wildcat. You know, she's gonna. She's doing, hey, 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 let's go, Cats. And once the Wabash going, because she loves Will Howard and Will Howard's family. So I'm kind of sharing it with her. Uh, is is she seeing that? Like, I'm going to try to get over to a basketball game when, when Will's there and get Corbin to meet her before her time here is done, or at least to connect with her, because they're close friends. also sent a text to uh, Veach, and I said, hey, how about the K-State quarterback from Downingtown, Pennsylvania, because he's a... He's a Philly guy, north of Philly, uh, and loves high school football like I do. And he goes, the Whippets. It's Downingtown West, the Whippets. They were in the state championship game in the other class uh, the same day we won the state championship. And, he, uh, and by the way, the dude won the, like, the Maxwell Club Award. He goes, that's a big deal. So people are connecting, probably more than I've ever seen, of uh, just being interested in this K-State win over TCU. It was awesome, man. It was cool. Everybody's like, you know, other than the folks that are on the other side of the river, and they're being congenial. But the others are like, hey, this is really cool. They were into it. And so it was fun to uh, experience that. Thanks for asking, because it's a moment. I'm like, the whole boss is watching this game, you know? And so you see Elijah Lee, but even the guys on the team were like, hey, man, cats. Like, yeah, cats. And Sugar Bowl, let's go. 
Well, it was uh, certainly a memory. I was there in person. I'll never forget. Mitch, we're uh, heading up to the top of the hour here. Safe travels to Houston, and uh, I'm sure the Chiefs will get it done and win the division on Sunday at noon. Did I say I think Will Howard's a NFL quarterback? I think my biggest takeaway from I think my biggest takeaway from the story is that Will Howard was on the swim team. <laughs> hey, he was a stud. I mean, he was like, like who's the dude that used to won all the gold medals? He's that guy. Like, so I don't know. He's like Hercules, but uh, yeah, he's an NFL quarterback. I left that Oklahoma State game. He isn't. He's an NFL quarterback. Maybe as big a candidate as we've had at that position since I don't know Grogan. Maybe. Yeah, Uh, Truthfully, seriously. All right, thanks, Mitch. See you, boys. Hour two is coming up next.